there it is. Ah. I just don't normally lay it there. Y'all's fixing to get something from memory. I said, well, I kind of like that preacher, you know, he said, uh, said that preacher got up one Sunday morning and opened up his Bible and opened up his notes and it was an old country church and they had the windows open on both sides and a big gust of wind come through and blew his notes out the window. He said, well, he said, my notes is gone. He said, I guess I'll just have to trust the Lord. But he said, don't worry, I'll do better next week. (laughs) So, (laughs) 107th Psalm. These verses are going to be familiar to you. One of the greatest, some of the greatest services we ever had revolved around these verses last October. Brother David preached on, oh, that men would praise the Lord. And uh, that's mentioned several times in the 107th Psalm. As a matter of fact, the 107th Psalm, nobody knows who wrote it. Nobody knows the occasion for which it was written. But what we do know is that it's a poem that is in four sections and it's marked by that phrase, Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Verse 1, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Can I just stop right there and say the Lord sure is good. I was in the Wilson Police Department this week and walked in there and gave them a little spill. Had my Bible with me and the lady behind the desk, you don't never know how they're going to take it. The officers always take it good, but the ladies behind the desk, sometimes they're, well, cranky. And uh, she took my Bible and took it back there to talk to somebody, and there was a little Hispanic lady standing there behind me. And after I'd give them a spill about the Bible and everything and give her that Bible, I stepped back. And the little Hispanic lady, she tapped me on the shoulder like this, and I looked around and she said, so good, so good. And I said, uh, I said, yes, ma'am, I'm glad you appreciate it. And she went on to tell me that she didn't speak much English. Through broken English, she said, God is so good. And had big old tears welled up in her eyes. And she said, I, I know God. And she said, it's, and she kept trying to think of the right word. And all she could think of was the word experience. And she just kept saying, it's an experience. She said, it's an experience. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, God's good. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, he's good all the time. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, in any language, he good. Well, we can stop right there. Have some time. God's good. He good. So he said, Give thanks unto the Lord, for He's good. His mercy endureth forever. Verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Then look at verse 8. Oh, that men 
would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul, filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron because they rebelled against the words of God and contempt them the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and of the shadow of death and he brake their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, that you touch and help in today's service. Lord, he feel the move of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, and we're glad for that. I pray, God, that you'd speak to hearts. Lord, I've got a couple of folks that are here this morning that are on my mind. And they're lost. I pray that you'd perk their ears up extra sensitive this morning. Lord, that you'd help them to understand their need for a Savior. Lord, a lot of saved folks here. God, I pray that you would encourage their hearts in your goodness and mercy. We'll thank you and praise you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to deal here with the 107th Psalm in verse number 2. The Bible said, the psalmist said, the Lord, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I'm going to preach a little while this morning on a little simple thought. Uh, I want to preach on, I have, I have something to say. Uh, when, I got, when I got saved, I got something to say. And so I, I just won't preach on that thought. I, I have this morning something to say. You know why? Because I've been redeemed. And I'm commanded that the redeemed should have something to say. So I'm redeemed and I got something to say. Now the 107th Psalm begins by dealing with the goodness and mercy of God. It reminds me, look what he says. It says, for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. Well, it reminds me of the 23rd Psalm where the psalmist said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And so we see connected with the Lord here, the words goodness and the word mercy. Well, uh, as I've already said, the Lord is good. The Bible said in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Can I say that there are vast stores of goodness? The Bible says that he daily loadeth us with benefits. I'm glad this morning that his goodness provides for my every need. You know why I've got shoes on my feet? Because God's good. You know why I've got food to eat? Because God's good. 
you know, hey, you know why I've got a job and money in my pocket? Because God's good. You know why I got to have the help to come to church this morning and stand up here and preach for y'all? Because God's good. And so God's goodness provides for my every need. But the Bible says that it's not only goodness, but it's mercy as well. And I'm glad that while God's goodness provides, thank God God's mercy pardons. Amen. I'm glad that I didn't get what I deserved because God was merciful to me, a sinner. When I was lost and in my sin and on my way to hell, I'm glad God not only showed goodness to get my attention and lead me to repentance, but thank God he showed me mercy to allow me to walk the path toward home and be saved by the grace of God. When I lack, the goodness of God comes in. But Brother Marvin, when I fail and fall, the mercy of God comes in and lifts me up and allows me to back on the pathway that he would have for me to go on. I say thank God for goodness and mercy. Mercy is his delight. According to Micah seven eighteen. the Bible says he delighteth in mercy. Mercy is his wealth, according to Ephesians 2 and 4, because the Bible says he is rich in mercy. Mercy is his throne, according to Exodus 25, 22, as it says that he will dwell between the mercy seat. So I'm glad, thank God, I've got a few things to say about that. Now let me give you just a few thoughts here, three or four things, and we'll deal with them just a minute. And... uh, I may run, run a lap or two. The Lord's been good to me. Number one, can I say I would like to say something about the condition of lost humanity. So I've got something to say this morning about what it's like to be lost. Let me tell you why I have something to say about that. I have something to say about that because I at one time was lost. Everybody in here and everybody in humanity at one time was in the same boat. That is lost and undone without God. And everybody that's lost, everybody that's lost is in the same boat. I don't care if they're a gutter drunk or a choir boy. Everybody that's lost is in the same boat. And uh, the, the Bible here says a few things about the condition of lost humanity. Now, I want to say this. Uh, there's a lot of more people lost than wants to let on. And I'm, I'm, I believe, the, the longer I'm around it, the more I believe it. A lot of more people lost than wants to let on. Now, what is it to be lost? Well, let's look and see what the Bible said here. First of all, we see that the lost are longing. Look at what the, verse number nine said. Verse number 9, the Bible says there, For he satisfieth the longing soul. So we see that the lost have a soul that longs. It's a longing soul. The word longing here comes from a Hebrew word that means to greedily rush about to and fro, to run and to look for something to satisfy That's the position of the lost man. There's a hole, a God-sized hole on the inside of a lost man or a lost woman. And you spend your life looking for a way to fill that hole. 
Do you remember when you were lost and all you wanted was for something to make you feel right? That's how people end up on drugs. Because they're trying to fill it up. That's how people end up uh, in all kinds of different sin. Just name your sin. That's how people end up in it. It's because they've got a longing on the inside that they can't fulfill. And so they're continually working and running and seeking and desiring. But what they find is they can hop from one drug to another. They can hop from one bar to another. They can hop from one bed to another. But in the morning, they're still empty and longing and trying to fill it back up. Aren't you glad if you're saved today that you found something one day that filled up the hole and you didn't have to bounce around anymore and look for something to fill the hole up? They're longing. This world has a desire to feel good. That's the reason if they can't pop it, they'll snort it. If they can't snort it, they'll inject it. And people wonder, you know, this last week, one night, I, I rode with uh, one of the uh, policemen up there in Henderson. And my goodness, it was an education. And uh, we was riding down around through the ghetto. And he was showing me, had a murder there last week. Had a suicide here week before last. Had a double murder there three weeks ago. And uh, he was telling me a story about this drug dealer, and we come around this corner, and there was a bunch of flowers there, and a rival gang had killed him the week before on the corner. And he said the reason they killed him was that he was selling Percocets that were laced with fentanyl, and it killed one of the rival, drug, one of the rival gang members. And so on the day of his funeral, they, they put out a hit on this boy and killed him on this corner, this sidewalk. And when you think about pills laced with fentanyl, you wonder... Why in the world would anybody even dabble in such things when you could possibly get a hold of a pill that is going to kill you instantly? The reason is people are longing to feel better about life and longing to fill themselves up and they'll do anything to try and feel the longing when what they need to do is come walk in an aisle Say, Lord, I love you and I'd love to be saved. And all of a sudden, there'll be a peace flood your heart and a presence fill your soul that you can't explain. Now, boy, all of a sudden you don't need anything else. There's a longing. Verse 9 also identifies them as being hungry. And the Bible says there, for he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul. They're identified as being hunger. This is the kind of hunger that the almost all strength is gone. Nothing they have tried has offered any relief. Nothing fills the void. They're continually hungry. That's the position of a lost man. Verse 10 says they're in, they're in darkness. The Bible says there, such as sit in darkness. The Bible says they're in darkness. That word darkness there is trans, can be translated ignorance. So it is that they have no understanding, no understanding of the things of God. How many of you remember when you was lost, you didn't understand the things of God? 
You're in the darkness. You're groping around in the night. They're in darkness. They're in death. Maybe that's the worst part of it all. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. The lost man has death continually stalking him down. Always around the corner is the possibility of dying. Everybody in this building is going to die. You might die an old man like James Beaver. Then again, you might die a young man. You could die, sir. Everybody, you say, no, not me. I'm young. I'm a teenager. I've got years. Maybe you do and maybe you don't. I'm telling you it'd pay to be ready. I wouldn't want a pillow in my head tonight worried about whether or not if I died in my sleep, if the house caught fire and I burned to a crisp, I wouldn't want to be worried about where I'd spend eternity, would you? I'm telling you for the lost man, death is on his trail every single day. Death is stalking him and haunting him and running him down. Death, death, death. But then not only death, but notice bondage. The Bible says being bound in affliction and iron. One of the most clever tricks that the devil has ever played on humanity is that he makes it seem like, Brother Neil, that the Christians are bound and the lost people are free. That's the narrative, Bruce. They say, well, you know, all them Christians have to follow all them old rules and they, they got all them problems. But those of you that are saved, witness with me right here just a little bit. It's the most freeing and liberating thing. Those that are in real bondage this morning are the ones that's lost and held down by Satan. I mean, that's the ones that wake up in the morning and their addictions have them to the point that they'll go and rob from their own grandmothers in order to fulfill their addiction. I remember one time I worked a case with a young lady. She had wrote a check, signed her grandmother's name to it, Stole, sold out of her grandmother's pocketbook, went and cashed it at a store. What she didn't understand was the account was overdrawn, so it came back as a bad check and uh, ended up on my desk, and they wanted me to figure it out, and I went up there and interviewed the grandmother. And she lived in a little old house, this little old wood frame house, didn't have two dimes to rub together. And she said, sweetheart, I didn't write that. I, I've not been to that store. I, I don't know. Somebody must have stole that check and signed my name to it. I had her write her name on a piece of paper, and she had Parkinson's, and sure enough, her hand jumped all over the place, and the signature was on this check was just perfectly written. Well, everybody knew that her granddaughter was a drug addict, and so I went and finally rounded up her granddaughter to interview her, and I said, now, I said, look, come clean with me. I said, you wrote this check in order to go buy drugs. And she looked at me and she said, no. She said, Mama wrote that check. She said, sometimes she forgets. I said, listen. I said, now this is a bad check. I said, would you rather me go up there and rest your Mama as to rest you or have to deal with you? She said, I guess you'll have to go to rest her. Her own grandmother. Her own grandmother. I said, I ain't going to do it. I said, your grandmother didn't write this check. I said, you wrote it. And uh, I said, you'll have to take that up with God, but you wrote the check. You know what? That little old girl, when she's a little old girl around her grandmother's house, probably never planned on living a life where she'd steal a check out of her grandmother's pocketbook and 
write it out. She probably never dreamed of living a life like that. But you see, addiction is it's bondage. The only thing that causes somebody to live a life like that is they're bound by Satan and they can't get out from under it every day. Their addiction calls to them and works on them and they'll do anything to try and feel it. Anything. Oh, even to the point that they alienate family and do all of these terrible things in order to try to, hey, listen to me. The real bondage in life is when you're lost without God and you can't get out from under it. That's the real bondage. In darkness and in death and in bondage. Why do, they do, why do they stay this way? Look at verse 11. Because they rebelled against the words of God. I want to make a statement right here and we'll move on to my next point. Listen to me, lost person. Every time you said in a church service like this, the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and you say, no, no. What you're doing is rebelling against the Word of God. And it causes you to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. Boy, isn't that a shame? Deeper and deeper and deeper. So, I have something to say about the condition of lost humanity. Then number two, I have something to say about the condemnation of lost humanity. Look at verse 12. The Bible says, therefore he brought down their hearts. Notice the Lord brings them down. Now, listen to me. You may be here this morning and lost and you're flying high. You got everything figured out, everything. But God's going to bring you down. God's going to bring you down. Boy, I tell you, I'd rather humble myself. I have to have God to humble me. God's going to bring you down. He said he brought them down. Then look what it said. Not only did he bring them down, but they fell down. Look what the Bible said there in verse 12. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor and they fell down. So not only did God bring them down, but we see that there, there was a result of their own doing. And they fell down themselves. So God bring, God's going to bring you down. You're going to fall down. And then there was none to help. Look what the Bible said in verse 12. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. You see, listen to me now. Once you hit bottom, the friends are gone. The drinking buddies, they're gone. The doping buddies, they're gone. Those that have encouraged you to do wickedness, they're gone. The Bible said there was none to hell. Boy, isn't that a sad situation to be in, to be lost and undone without God, bound in sin, all flat on your face, not able to fulfill the longing of your heart, and nobody can help. That's the condemnation of lost humanity. But then I've got something to say about the cry of lost. Notice the next verse, verse 13. The Bible says, Then they cried unto the Lord. I believe the psalmist said in another place, This poor man cried. 
And the Lord heard me. <laughs> Saved me out of all my troubles. <laughs> hey, I, hey, I'm glad that no matter the depths of sin and iniquity that you find yourself in this morning, there's always one answer and that is simply putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and crying out to Christ. I'm glad whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A lot of times we come up with these big things that you have to do this, you're going to have to do that. But down to the bottom line is this, put your faith in Christ. That's all you have to do. I was dealing with a lady this week one night after revival. She wanted to talk to me. I talked to her before. This is the third time I preached at this church. I talked to her before. As soon as she motioned for me to come, I knew what the problem was. She was dealing with doubting her salvation. And so I sat down with her and I said, all right, tell me about when you got saved. She told me about it. It was, a, it was a great salvation story. I said, what did you do when you knelt in that altar? She said, I put my faith in Christ. But she said, I'm not sure I said the right words. She said, I'm not sure I had enough faith. I said, how much faith does it take to get saved? She said, I don't know. I said, the answer is any. Any faith. Little faith will save you. Big faith will save you. I'm here to tell you this morning that it is as simple as putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can miss hell and go to heaven by simply putting simple faith in Christ. Hallelujah. Crying out to God. Saying, God, I don't want to go to hell. They cried unto the Lord. Can I say to you that crying out to God changes things. Look at the change for lost humanity. The Bible says they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. Well, I, I, let me just pause and talk about that right there just a minute. In their trouble. A lot of people think I'll do better. A lot of folks say, well, I'm going to quit my doping and then I'll go to church and I'll get... I'll get, I'll get my life worked out. A lot of people say, well, I, there's some things that I got to take care of in my life and then I'll come to Jesus. That's getting the cart before the horse. What you need to do is come right like you are. Right there in your trouble. Right? Dry 